Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. Along with everything else that we weaponize when we're in active addiction, sex is one of those items. As an example, think about what happens when you step out on your spouse or your even your girlfriend or boyfriend. Who are you hurting? Well, you're hurting them, and you're hurting any of their family that might be involved. You're hurting the other people involved. You're hurting yourself. I mean, it's time that we clear that. It's time that we see what part we've played in that, and we try to make an understanding, or at least get an understanding, of what our part in it was, and what we need to do to understand why it happened. Just worded a little bit differently. We reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. So we just made up another little inventory sheet. Looks just like the resentment sheet, except it's a review of our own past sex conduct. Column one, who did I hurt? Now, I doubt if there's anybody in this room this morning that ever hurt anybody in the sexual area that we don't know exactly who it was. And that seems to be a form of knowledge that we all have. All we have to do in column one is simply make a list of their names. There might be some questions sometimes as to, well, what do we do that hurts people in the sex area? And we hurt them in many different ways. Now, one of the ways we hurt people in the sexual area is if I'm in a relationship like I am with my spouse, and I go outside of that relationship and I have sex out there with somebody else, my spouse finds out about that, then surely I've created a problem for her, if not physically, at least emotionally. If there's children in my home and that sexual escapade creates a problem in my home, then I've hurt my children by the same thing. If the lady I had sex with out there, if it becomes common knowledge, then I've hurt her also. And if she has a husband and children, I've hurt them too. You know, one sexual thing could hurt several different people. Sometimes we hurt people in a sexual area simply by demanding more than our fair share. Now, maybe our partner isn't too keen about trotting out and having fun with us every time we want to. And rather than consider their needs, wants, and desires, we selfishly demand that they have sex with us when they really don't want to. When we do that, surely we create a problem, if not physically, at least emotionally. Sometimes we hurt people in a sexual area by demanding they do things with us that they really don't want to do. And rather than consider their needs and wants, we demand they do those things, and when we do that, surely we hurt them, if not physically, at least emotionally. Sometimes we hurt people in a sexual area simply by withholding sex. Maybe we're not too keen about it going every time that our partner wants to, and rather than give in to their needs and wants once in a while, we selfishes withhold sex when we really we ought to give in more often. Many, many ways we hurt people in the sexual area. I think we all know what they are. Column one, we just simply make a list of that. Column two, what did I do to hurt them? Column three, 
What part of self caused me to do this? Now, I think this is one of the most interesting things we can do for ourselves. You know, you would think if I hurt anybody in the sexual area, it would be because of the sex instinct. And I guess maybe once in a while that's true. Probably sometimes to get the physical gratification, the emotional gratification that comes at the moment of completion of the sex act, Sometimes we might be doing it at the wrong time in the wrong place with the wrong people because of the sex instinct. But I think if we carefully review each situation, we're going to find in most cases that probably the other two instincts of life are involved just as much as the sex instinct, and in many cases maybe even more, and in some cases sex really doesn't have anything to do with it at all. Now, I'm getting ready to express an opinion, and this opinion I'm going to express is my opinion only. Not Joe's opinion, not AA's opinion, not anybody else's opinion, just mine. Today, I'm absolutely convinced that God gave us the sex instinct so we would reproduce ourselves. I also think that he made it a very enjoyable thing because I don't think we would do the amount of work involved in sex if we didn't get some reward for doing so. It is a hell of a lot of work. You know? And I think he makes it enjoyable, so we will go ahead and do it. Now, if we're doing sex for reasons other than reproduction or enjoyment, chances are we might be using sex for purposes other than what God intended. For instance... We boys found out at a very early age that you can use sex to build your self-esteem. After all, the more members of the opposite sex you can attract to yourself, the greater man you really are, we thought. And we boys call that John Wayneism. I don't know what you girls called it. Jane Wayne. <laughs> but many of you tell me you use sex for the same purposes. Now, if that's what we're using sex for, that's not to reproduce, that's not to enjoy, but that's to fulfill a part of the social instinct of life, and sex really doesn't have anything to do with that at all. Sometimes we use sex to buy a personal relationship. Maybe we're just lonesome. Maybe we just want another human being to pay attention to us. And we found out a long time ago we can give sex and buy back a personal relationship. Well, now, that's not to reproduce, that's not to enjoy, but that's to also fulfill a part of the social instinct and to fulfill our emotional security. Sex really doesn't have anything to do with that. Sometimes we use sex to buy material security. Maybe we're in a sexual situation we really would rather not even be in. But we become so overly dependent upon another human being for our material security, we give sex to buy back material security. Now, that's not to enjoy, that's not to reproduce, that's to fulfill the security instinct. Sometimes we use sex to get even with another human being. We're in a relationship, we find that our partner's gone out, done something they shouldn't do, we say, we'll show them, and we'll go out and do the same identical thing. And the fallacy in it is, is after we've done it, we can't afford to tell them we did it. But there, we didn't use sex to reproduce or to enjoy. We used it to get even with another human being. It has nothing to do with sex at all. Sometimes we use sex to force our will on another human being. 
Maybe our partner isn't doing what we think they ought to do. And we say, we'll show them, we'll just cut them off at the pass, and we won't let them have, it, have, let them have any sex until they come around our way of thinking. Now, we boys aren't too good at that. We only last about three days. But you girls have honed it to perfection. You know exactly how to do that. I think this is one of the most revealing things that we can do for ourselves as a human being to really look and see what we've been doing with our sex in the past. And most of us are going to find that sex is really not involved at all. It's usually the other things entirely and completely. And when I saw that, two things happened to me almost immediately. As I began to fill out that third column, the first thing that happened to me is a lot of guilt began to disappear. I always thought I was just a dirty, rotten, no-good SOB. But as I filled out that third column, I began to realize I use sex for purposes other than what God intended, not because I'm a bad person, but because I'm a sick person. And I'm sick in those other areas of life, and I use sex to fulfill them, not because I'm bad, but because I'm sick. And a lot of that guilt began to slip away. I'll tell you another thing that happened to me, too. When I looked at that thing and really saw what I was using sex for, it began to look kind of stupid. And my desire to go out and do those things at the wrong time in the wrong place with the wrong people began to become less and less and less. You see, I always thought I was oversexed. No, I wasn't oversexed. I was undersecure. And I used sex to build my security and my self-esteem. And when I saw what I was doing with sex, it began to look kind of dumb. And the desire to go do that became less and less, and I began to start getting a handle on this sex thing and begin to look at it in an entirely different light. It's amazing what you can see through this little inventory sheet. Fourth column, what's the exact nature of the wrong? Well, the wrong is the thing I've done to hurt another person. Well, what's the nature of it? If I wasn't so selfish, I wouldn't be doing those things, maybe. If I wasn't so frightened of facing life without the excitement that comes from that extramarital sex, maybe I wouldn't be doing it in the first place. If I was more considerate of my wife and my children, probably I could control those desires and not have to go do those things that might hurt them in the long run. Same old basic character defects. I'll guarantee you, though, if I stay selfish... Dishonest, self-seeking, frightened, and inconsiderate, I'll keep right on doing the same things I've always done. Keep right on hurting people. They're going to retaliate, and guilt and remorse and fear and shame and resentment is going to block me off from the sunlight of the Spirit and cause me to get drunk. It's not a question of right and wrong. It's not a question of morality. It's a question of what can I do and live with it and end up with a little peace of mind and serenity and still be able to enjoy a sex life, yet at the same time not hurt other people. I think it's one of the greatest things we can do for ourselves. Joe? You know, I, I like these new words that are coming in to Alcoholics Anonymous. They talk about dysfunctional families today. Well, ours was just crazy as hell, you know. And I like this one. They talk about denial. The alcoholism is an illness of denial. I don't think it is. I think it's an illness of ignorance on my part. Because, see, I just didn't know these things. I just didn't know. No one told me. And I remember I got when I got married the first time, I did real well for about three years. I had no problem. Phyllis and I, I mean, Rose and I did, a, did okay. No problem. 
But I remember, uh, I told you that I've been married to divorce of two women seven times. Sometimes I have a hard time keeping them straight. But it wasn't just for drinking. You know, it's always drinking and something else. Is that something else I'm talking about? But I remember the very first time that I went out on Rose. And I mean, it was just one of those things. I was drunk. It's one of those things that happened. And boy, the next day I felt really bad inside. I mean, I felt terrible. I had compromised a principle that I didn't know that I had. And uh, later on I did it again. And it wasn't quite so bad the second time as it was the first. And then later on it wasn't quite so bad as it was. And pretty soon it wasn't bad at all. I didn't feel nothing. We see what happened was I had compromised principles. I had principles to live by. And then one day I didn't have any principles to live by. And when you don't have any principles to live by, you don't have any reason to live. And I did not know that. And that's where I came to ultimately in Alcoholics, before Alcoholics Anonymous. I had compromised everything that was everything that was good in a human being by this time. And so I needed to, to look at these things. I needed to know what was good and what was right for me. And that's the only suggestion that I have is get these things down on paper and find your own ideals just for you and try to help, let God help you to live up to those ideals. That's what I had to do because I was definitely messed up in this area. And I haven't been divorced since Phyllis and I got married <laughs> 17 some odd years ago and I haven't had this problem either, thank God. And I feel good about myself and I can look you in the eye. And before that, as I told you, I stood in the back of the room looking just because you do the fourth step and just because we take a look at our sex and how we use it with our other partners in the past, I don't think necessarily dictates whether or not we're going to have multiple divorces and marriages. It's not how I see it. But it will certainly will help clarify how we may or I may have used the act of sex in the past as a piece of control, a tool to manipulate or in other ways get what I wanted without concern for the other party involved. And I think we can all say we've done that at one point or another, but until you take a look at it and you review it and you write it down, I don't know, at least I have to say for me personally, that, that I really saw it that way. But once I did, I understood it, and I could say, hey, there's a reason why I do that. Just like looking at other parts of my resentments and my fears and everything else. So, until next time. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive, Joe and Charlie Podcast.